All right. The Bible says in Matthew chapter number 26, starting in verse number 69, Now Peter sat without in the palace, and the damsel came unto him, saying, Thou also wast with him, or was with Jesus of Galilee, but he not denied before them all, saying, I know not what thou sayest. And when he was gone out into the porch, another maid saw him, and said unto them that were there, This fellow was also with Jesus of Nazareth. And again he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. And after a while came unto him they that stood by and said to Peter, Surely thou also art one of them, for thy speech bereath thee. Then began he to curse and to swear, saying, I know not the man, and immediately the cock crew. And Peter remembered the word of Jesus, which said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And he went out and wept bitterly. You can be seated. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. Ask God you'd help us this morning in the preaching hour. Do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Hide us behind the shadow of the cross. Lord, we pray, God, that we would preach as a dying man to dying people. As, Lord, this would be our last opportunity to stand. And, God, that the hearer would listen as such as if it were their last opportunity to hear. We'll thank you, praise you, give you glory and honor for it all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. I want to preach this morning, if the Lord would help us, uh, on the difference that the cross makes. And I want to thank the Lord this morning for the cross of Calvary, uh, for his shed blood. And I'm interested in looking at the life of Peter uh, for just a minute, not his whole life, but some things that we notice uh, about this man. I do want you to notice there are some things that uh, we are going to highlight this morning in this portion of Scripture. We are uh, highlighting this moment in time when Jesus has been arrested and uh, we know that Jesus has been uh, taken and he is no doubt on his way as the Scripture teaches to be crucified. That is what is taking place in the Scripture. But for Peter, Peter, the Bible teaches, is following the Lord Jesus Christ, but he, uh, in the other Gospels, it teaches that he is following, Brother Shane, afar off. And uh, so we know that Peter, being one of the disciples and had followed Jesus, been with Jesus, walked with Jesus, talked with Jesus, knows about Jesus, but now that Jesus has been arrested, Peter is distancing himself from Jesus Christ. Now you will find that when you look at the cross uh, that Jesus, uh, uh, he fed 5,000 with the fish and the loaves, right? But 5,000 didn't follow him. 5,000 were there for what Jesus could provide, but not 5,000 followed him. A small crowd followed him, but you'll find that the closer that Christ got to Calvary, the smaller the crowd became. And we've preached a message before and in the past and highlighted this man named John, whom the Lord loveth, and we talked about and emphasized how that John was closer to the Lord Jesus than all of the other disciples. And we were preaching uh, that message that you could be as close to the Lord Jesus Christ as you want to be. But I want to emphasize to you this morning, you can be as far away from Christ uh, as you want to be. And Peter did not want to be seen as one that was with the Lord. He wanted to keep an eye on Jesus. He wanted to, uh, to know what Jesus was doing, where Jesus was going, what Jesus was going through. But he did not want to be associated with Jesus when the troubled times came. There are a lot of people this morning 
morning that don't want to be associated with the house of God or the Lord Jesus Christ when things are going good. I can't imagine what it's going to be like in this country when we fall under persecution for the faith and the belief that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. But in this instance, Peter being a man that walked and talked with Jesus, uh, no doubt has separated himself from the Lord. And Brother Shane mentioned it this morning uh, about uh, taking the Lord's name in vain. You're going to find here that uh, that Peter uh, actually started cursing. I mean, Peter was using language that Peter would not have used under another circumstance. And we understand here that Peter has denied the Lord uh, three times. The cock has crew as the Lord said that it would. And the Bible says in verse 75, thou shalt deny me thrice. And he went out and wept bitterly. He wept bitterly because he remembered what the Lord had told him. I will say this to you. If we'd go back and remember uh, what thus saith the Lord, it would break our heart and cause us to get to a place uh, of weeping in our own life. And so notice with me, if you will, when you get into John, turn with me to John uh, chapter number 20. John chapter number 20, if you will, this morning. I want you to notice with me in John chapter number 20, starting in verse number 1. The Bible says in John 20, verse number 1, The first day of the week cometh, Mary Magdalene early, when it was yet dark under the sepulcher, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulcher. Uh, then she runneth, and cometh to Simon Peter, and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved. Now we're emphasizing here uh, Peter and John being together. And the Bible says here, And saith unto them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher, and we know not where they have laid him. Peter therefore went forth, and that other disciple, and came to the sepulcher. So they ran. Notice, if you will, that both men were running to get to the tomb where Jesus was laid to find out what was going on, to lay their eyes on the situation, to see it as it was. And the Bible says, so they ran both together, and the other disciple did outrun Peter and came first to the sepulcher. Now we've emphasized in the past the special relationship that John had with the Lord Jesus Christ and no doubt this love that was unlike any other love, I mean this tightness, close-knit relationship was such that uh, if you will that John just flat out put Peter in the dust if you allow me to say it like that. He went on harder, he run harder he was in the haste and he outrun Peter and the Bible says and came first to the sepulcher. So they left together, but John got there before Peter did. And so you can see if we can emphasize the heart. Have you ever noticed when someone's talking about a race or something, boy, that young man had a lot of heart, you know. The heart of this man was such towards Christ that he, because of his heart, did outrun Peter. And the Bible says, and he stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying, yet went he not in. Then cometh Simon Peter following him and went into the sepulcher and seeth the linen clothes lie. So we see Peter comes in a second. And then the Bible says, And the napkin that was about his head not lying with the linen clothes but wrapped together in a place by itself. Then went in also that other disciple which came first to the sepulcher and he saw and believed. For as yet they knew not the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. 
Then the disciples went away again unto their own house. So we notice here in this verse of Scripture that John's Gospel, as we mentioned last Sunday, is emphasizing the linen clothes and where they laid. We see that that in haste and in uh, uh, John's love for the Lord that he beats Peter to the tomb. But we understand that Peter coming in second takes a closer look, if you will, at the linen clothes and how the linen clothes were laid. So the Bible says in verse 6, Then cometh Simon Peter following him and went into the sepulchre and seeth the linen clothes lie, and the napkin that was about his head not lying with the linen clothes but wrapped together in a place by itself. Then went in also that other disciple which came first to the sepulchre and he saw and believed. I believe that there was a conversation in the tomb that day that Peter was awestruck by the way that the linen clothes was laying in the tomb. And notice, if you will, that by looking at these linen clothes and studying these linen clothes and paying attention to the placement of these linen clothes that the Bible says then when also that other disciple being John which came first to the sepulcher and he saw and believed. So what he seen in that tomb, he seen what was there and he seen what was not there. And he knew by what was not there and by what was there and the placement of those linen clothes that Jesus Christ was risen again and alive. Amen? And so here's what I want you to see. Emphasizing the fact that Peter, before Jesus died on the cross, followed afar off, knowing that Jesus died on the cross and that Peter wept bitterly and he was distraught because of the action that he had taken. He was aware, Brother Shane, that the Lord knew what he would do. So knowing that the Lord knew what he would do and the Lord having warned him that he would do it, he knew that what he had done had broke the heart of God. Do you understand that? So he is heartbroken because of the effect that he has had on his Savior. It'd be a good day if you and I could get heartbroken for the broken heart that we have caused our Savior. And so I want you to see here that uh, that we see Peter following afar off. Then we see Peter that is running to the sepulcher but still has not outrun John. John has outrun Peter. And so let me look on here if I can and show you uh, something in John chapter number 21 if the Lord would help us here. Now, in John chapter number uh, 21, uh, we find here, let me see if I'm in the right place. Yes, verse number uh, one. Let's start at verse number one of chapter 21. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and on the wise showed he himself. They were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathanael of Cana in Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and two other of his disciples. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. They said unto him, we also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately and that night they caught nothing. Now let me remind you for just a moment that Peter's first time dealing with the Lord personally was when Peter had been fishing all night and had caught no fish. And Jesus Christ told him to put his cast his nets on the other side. And we know that they brought in a great draught of fishes and the net break. And there were some principles about fishing that Jesus was teaching Peter and James 
James and John, the sons of Zebedee, uh, prior to them going and following him and becoming fishers of men. So now we find that he is back in the boat and he's fishing. But the Bible says in verse 4, but when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Now this is a man, if you will, that's had a broken heart because of the reaction that he had to that of the Lord Jesus Christ going to Calvary. So I want you to consider, if you will, this morning, uh, your actions towards the Lord Jesus Christ uh, and how your actions could offend him on a personal level this morning. The Bible says, but when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have you any meat? They answered, No. Just a simple answer. They were not aware of who they were talking to at this time. The Bible says, And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and you shall find. Now we understand here that Jesus Christ has not ascended to the Father, but Jesus Christ has arisen from the dead. He is no longer in the tomb. He is alive. He has a glorified body. And the Bible says, And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and you shall find. I'm sure that sounded familiar to a previous time in Peter's life when he had first encountered the Lord. I'm thankful that the Lord has the ability, Brother Shane, to speak to me in such a manner that it draws me back into my remembrance of a time that I heard and heard from him for the first time. And so this is very familiar. And the Bible says they cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitudes of fishes. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved, have you noticed it's always Peter and John? Have you noticed that it's always an emphasis on that disciple that Jesus loved? There's always this emphasis on how that John had something special with Jesus. It's John, 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 John. I mean, there was something special. But I want you to notice that just a minute ago, we were talking about how John did outrun uh, Peter to the tomb. He did outrun Peter to the sepulchre. But I want you to notice Peter's reaction right here. The Bible says, Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. So John is with Peter, and John is speaking to Peter, and he's saying, Hey, that's the Lord speaking right there. Notice, if you will, and I'm about to have a shouting fit this morning. The Bible says, Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girded his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked and did cast himself into the sea. I want you to notice it was always. John outrunning Peter but Peter was a man that had got to see Jesus as he was before he died but the cross is what made the difference in Peter's life when he seen what Jesus had done when he had seen what Jesus had gone through and he realized that Jesus Christ had arisen when he studied the linen clothes in the tomb when he seen what Jesus had accomplished for him he had done something in the life of Peter that made Peter now the one that was outrunning John can I say to you, Freya, the cross of Calvary will make a difference this morning in your life. It's one thing to know of Jesus. It's one thing to see Jesus. But to see Jesus as he hung on the cross of Calvary, to have bled and died for your sins, to lay down his life freely, hey, but the power of God to bring him back forth from the grave. I want you to notice with me, if you will, that the Bible says that the stone was rolled away. Now the emphasis here, a lot of people feel like, 
that Jesus needed the stone removed to get out of the tomb. The stone was not removed because of Jesus needing the stone removed to get out of the tomb. The stone was not for Jesus' sake. The stone being removed was for the sake of those that were to look inside the tomb and see that Jesus, friend, was no longer there. The stone being rolled away wasn't for Christ. The stone being rolled away was for me and for you. Understand the stone was separating man from Jesus. I want you to notice that the picture of the stone is separation. The whole purpose of Jesus being put in the tomb and the stone placed over the tomb and the stone being sealed was so that mankind, according to the Pharisees and the chief priests, uh, would not be able that the disciples would not come and take Jesus out of the tomb. So it was guarded, if you will. Uh, this tomb was guarded to keep people out. People was keeping people from Jesus Christ. Do you know what? keeping folk from Jesus Christ today the people to as many as received him to them gave he power to become the sons of God it's within your power and my power to be with Jesus Christ because he done something at Calvary and give us that opportunity it's not what man done but it's what Christ done friend it was the man it was the man that was guarding the tomb man that was keeping the rock in place but it was the power of God that removed the stone so that man could get him to where Jesus was but Jesus was not there but something was revealed in that tomb and that's what I want to show you this morning if I could say this we could say it like this then came the morning it was a dark 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 time in, in the disciples life they watched Jesus crucified he was dead he was buried and they could not come to where he was and see him but we understand that the Bible says in John 20 and verse 1, while it was yet dark, the stone was rolled away. I thank God that the stone was rolled away. Now let's look here if I can find my place uh, in the, uh, the gospel of Luke. And I want to I show you something if the Lord would help me here for just a minute. Matthew, let's use Matthew 28, 6. I'm sorry. Matthew 28 and 6. The Bible says in verse 1, in the end of the Sabbath, uh, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. Now I want you to notice, if you will, this matter of the earthquake. Uh, You will notice with me and be reminded, if you will, for a moment that when Jesus Christ uh, gave up the ghost, the earth did quake, uh, the veil of the temple was uh, uh, rent twain from top to bottom, right? And we know that the earthquake and the earth did shake uh, because the Bible says here, in uh, Matthew uh, 27 uh, and verse number 51 and behold the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the earth top to bottom and the earth did quake and the rocks rent so when Christ gave up the ghost and died uh, the earth did shake now I want to remind you we preached a message a few Sundays back about the Philippian jailer and how it took the shaking of the foundation of the jail uh, to get the attention of the man uh, to bring him to the end of himself Uh, and so we understand that there's an earthquake that's now taking place uh, as Jesus has died something has happened what well the veil was rent from top to bottom right not bottom 
bottom to top. If it had been rent from bottom to top, someone can say that man had done it. But because it was rent from top to bottom, we understand that we give that to the power of God. We say that the power of God did rent the veil from top to bottom. So there's something happening. It wasn't enough that Jesus had died. But Jesus died and the earth did shake and got the attention of those that were passing by, those that were nearby, those that had crucified him, and it was causing them to stop and take notice. But I would like for you to see also that the Bible says in verse 52 of Matthew 27 uh, that, and the graves were opened and many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection. Now I want you to notice that. The Bible talks about that the, uh, the Bible says and came out of the graves. Well who came out of the graves? The graves were opened, bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection. What did happen after his resurrection? Please notice, if you, if you will, that the Bible says in verse 2 of chapter 28, And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven, and came and rolled back the stone from the door, and sat upon it. So we know when Jesus died, the earthquake. And we understand that when Jesus resurrected, and the stone was rolled away, that the earth did quake. But when the earth quaked, there was those that come forth out of the grave. So I want you to notice that once again, when the earth has quaked three days after it quaked before, when all this happening had taken place, people in that region were astonished by what had happened. It had to be the talk of the town. Everyone had to be talking about the veil that was rent, the earth how it did quake, the, the, the daylight how it had went away when Christ, or God had turned his back on Christ. And we understand that it was dark upon the face of the earth for several hours. Something had happened that was out of the ordinary that was calling attention to something that was happening in this moment in time. But notice also, if you will, in Luke uh, chapter uh, number 24 and verse number 13. Now in chapter number 24, we see the resurrection of Jesus Christ according to Luke's gospel. All right, and we find here that in verse number 13, the Bible said, Behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about three score furlongs, and they talked together of all these things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. So Jesus has resurrected. The tomb is empty. The Bible said in verse 16, But their eyes were holding, they should not know him. And he said unto them, What manner of communications are these that ye have one to another as ye walk and are sad? And the one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered and said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem? And has not known the things which are come to pass in these days. Can I say to you, what Cleopas is saying to Christ is only a stranger would not know what is going on around here. The Lord was getting the attention of every man, woman, boy, and girl in the region in which he had been crucified. For you not to have known what was going on meant that you must have traveled and moved into the area having not been around when all of the happenings was going on at Mount Calvary. So we see the earthquake has gathered their attention. All that has happened, all the turmoil, all the uprising that has happened has got the attention of the people and then imagine, if you will, uh, if you will with me, three days later, another earthquake happens. 
Now imagine being at home, Brother Shane, and not fully having enough days to comprehend what all has transpired. I mean, for it to be on your mind, for you to lay in bed at night awake, just amazed at all that's going on, trying to compute it in your mind as to what is really happening. To know that the chief priests are saying that Christ wasn't the Messiah, but Christ is saying, I am the King of kings and Lord of lords. I have come to take away the sins of the world. All of the confusion, you know, I mean, Jesus versus tradition and, and religion and all these things weighing in their minds. It was a turmoil. It was an uprising. Then three days later, the earthquakes. Can you imagine how that would make you feel? You'd be looking out the window trying to figure out what has happened now. The last time the earth quaked, the veil was rent from top to bottom. Now the earth has quaked, Brother Shane, and the graves have come, have come open. And people have arisen and were walking around, if you will. I mean, they were seeing people uh, that were buried, but now uh, are, are out of the grave. The graves are open. Imagine something, something's happening. It's all testifying, if you will, to that of Jesus Christ having been the Lord and having had died to take away the sins of the world. So Cleopas is saying to the Lord Jesus Christ, man, have you, you must not be from here. You must not have been around here not to have known what was going on. And so uh, notice with me, if you will, here that Jesus does respond uh, to Cleopas. The Bible says in verse number uh 22, yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which we, we were early at the sepulcher. And when they found not his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels, which said that he was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher and found it even so as the women had said, but him they saw not. Then he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? Now, I want you to notice with me here all that's going on. The Bible says that when Peter and John went into the sepulcher and they took notice, according to the Gospel of John, uh, that the linen clothes were fashioned in a certain manner that John left believing. John left believing. Now, another Gospel says that... Uh, uh, says that um, Peter, uh, excuse me, Peter had to give consideration to what he had seen. Uh, Peter, I believe it was, uh, if I can find where that's at here. <clears throat> Bible says Luke 24, 12, then arose Peter and ran unto the sepulcher and stooping down, he beheld the linen clothes laid by themselves and departed, wondering in himself at that which was come. So the linen clothes had caused a question mark upon him. It had caused him to consider. It caused John to believe. Peter understanding that this, all that he's seeing and all that's transpiring here, it just doesn't make sense. There could only be one thing that has caused this, this to, to be as it is. Jesus must have arose. But I want you to notice that all of that's being done is pointing to what Christ has done and causing these disciples to believe. But I want you to see how Christ deals with Cleopas. This blessed my heart. It invigorated me. It put me in a different state of mind as I read this again uh, early this morning. The Bible says in verse 27 or verse 26, ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Did you know the Bible says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The very word of God has taken the scripture. The Bible says all scripture is given 
the inspiration of God and it's profitable, amen? And Jesus Christ is preaching to Cleopas, if you will, from the very scriptures that you and I have today, friend. Notice all that Christ has done. Notice all that they have seen. But Jesus takes the word of God and begins to preach, if you will, to Cleopas and says here, and they drew nigh in the village whither they went. And he made us though he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us. For it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went into Terry with them. And it came to pass, as he said it meet with them, he took bread and blessed it and break and gave to them. And their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. And notice what they said. They did not know him when they were looking at him. Looking at him did not reveal to them who he was. Listen to me. The Bible says, And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the scriptures? The scriptures was paramount in revealing to Cleopas who it was that they were looking at. Can I say to you, the scripture is still what reveals to us Jesus Christ. We must believe what the scripture has to say to us. And these were men that were looking at Jesus yet did not know who he was. But the scripture reveals who he is to us. And I thank God for that. So we know that John is believed when he sees uh, the, the linen clothes in the tomb. But Cleopas knows it's Jesus Christ alive because the scriptures has helped reveal it to him. I want to show you some things that the Lord uh, is doing here. We see that then came the morning, right? And the stone was rolled away. And the stone being rolled away is a picture of the Lord having made a way uh, for man to get into the place uh, where Jesus was at. Notice with me if you can. Then came the warning. So then came the morning and then came the warning. What was this warning? The earthquake was the warning. What do you mean, preacher? How is the earthquake the warning? Now, I've, I've mentioned some of this in the past, but I want to refresh us just a moment and explain to you this matter of the earthquake. The earthquake was hail calling to the earth for what Christ had done. So how do you know that, preacher? Read with me, if you will, or I'll read it to you quickly. Isaiah 5.14. Therefore hell hath enlarged herself, and opened her mouth without measure, and their glory and their multitude and their pomp, and he that rejoiceth shall descend into it. Now some would say that this is only talking about the grave. That this is only talking about the dead going into the grave. But I do not believe that because the Bible says in Psalms 9, 17, the wicked shall be turned into hell and nations that forget God. And when we're reading Isaiah chapter number 5, we're talking about things on a national level. So we're talking about hell itself. And hell hath enlarged herself. So we know that people, as they die and go to hell, that hell has the ability to enlarge its self. Now the Bible says in Ephesians 4 9, now that he uh, that ascended, uh, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth. When Jesus Christ went and preached to those in paradise, he descended into the lower parts of of the earth. So I want you to notice, if you will, the first order of business at the resurrection is a call from hell. So how is that possible? Well, let me explain to you this if I can. 
We find earthquake after earthquake after earthquake right here when Jesus has died. We see earthquake that when Jesus has arisen. What is the earthquake doing? Well, the earthquake is grabbing the attention of the people. But I do want you to notice this, that the, uh, the, uh, the belt around the uh, Pacific here, also known as the Ring of Fire, is a region around the rim of the Pacific Ocean. Now, we do know that it is home to volcanoes, eruptions, and earthquakes. Don't, don't, don't lose me. Stay with me here for just a minute. It is recorded almost 20,000 earthquakes a year, 55 earthquakes on this earth a day. There are three types of earthquakes, tectonic earthquakes, volcanic earthquakes, and collapsing earthquakes. All right, and so I want you to notice this. Volcanic earthquakes are earthquakes that are caused by volcanoes. What is in the heart of the earth? It is, it is hell, right? What is coming out of these volcanoes? Molten hot lava from within the earth. Notice with me, if you will, about, uh, according to my study and research on this, about 76% of the earth's seismic energy is released as earthquakes in the Ring of Fire area where most of the earthquakes are transpiring every day. About 90% of the earth's earthquakes occur along this Ring of Fire on this rim of the Pacific Ocean. So it's always happening. But notice, if you will, that the earthquakes are always parallel and correlating with that of the volcanic and the lava having come out of the earth and into the ground, if you will. I'm telling you that that there's something significant about these earthquakes uh, and what is going on. I do believe with all my heart uh, that hell is in the heart of the earth. I do believe with all my heart that the earth moves and groans uh, and as hell enlarges itself, friend, uh, the earth is always moving and what's down in the heart of the earth uh, at times will come to the surface of the earth. I don't know how the Lord's going to melt this thing with a fervent heat, uh, but it wouldn't surprise me, friend, if it doesn't come from the top and from the bottom both. Amen. So notice with me, if you will, then came the morning, then came the warning. Now the Bible says in John chapter number 20, uh, and in verse number uh, 30 and 31, and many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his Name. The issue here is believing. Jesus was doing things that was causing people to believe. They were having to take the scriptures. They were having to take the prophecy. They were having to take the things that Christ had fulfilled and make a decision whether they were going to believe on that name which is above every name or whether they were going to reject him. So then came the morning, then came the warning, and then came the adoring. What do you mean, preacher? Well, we just seen uh, how that uh, Peter uh, had been uh, broken hearted for how he had reacted to the Lord. We've seen how Peter had uh, had uh, just had got to the place where he was broken, if you will, for the reaction that he had uh, towards those that seen him as he was following Christ. Then we see that when he's no longer in the tomb, that there's an interest and that Peter runs. But when Peter realizes what Christ has done, he walks away from the tomb that day, John having fully believed, but Peter wondering in himself. And then Peter having to see the Lord and being able to see the Lord, 
in person, knowing that Peter loved the Lord because the Lord loved Peter. Peter's relationship and love for the Lord became more than it was before when he got the full scope and understanding of the love that the Lord had for him. Friend, if you could understand the scope of the love that the Lord had for you when he went to Calvary and bled and died, it would change the way that you react and look at the Lord Jesus Christ. Now with me quickly, go with me to John 21 and verse number 18. John 21. Actually, go back up to verse 15, if you will. John 21 verse 15. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? Now I love this. I've never seen it on this light before. The Bible's always emphasizing the one that Jesus loved. John having this special relationship with Jesus. Now we understand that Peter jumped out of the boat and began to swim towards Christ while the others that were in the boat uh, were taking the draught of fishes and coming back to the shore. Peter didn't care about the boat. Peter didn't care about the fish. Peter didn't care about what he'd spent all night doing. Peter only cared to be where Christ was at. And he cast himself into the sea. And it was no longer John who was out running, but it was Peter who was out running the Lord, or Peter that was out running John to get to the Lord. And notice what the Lord asked him. He says, Lovest thou me? More than these, he saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. Now, now I want you to notice, he knew that Peter was going to deny him before Peter denied him. Peter knows that the Lord knows how he truly feels about him. And so notice this. He says, He saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He said unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Notice with me how many times that Peter denied the Lord. How many times did Peter deny the Lord? And Jesus is emphasizing something here. Jesus is asking three times. Peter, lovest thou me? Peter's starting to get frustrated because he's like, Lord, you know that I love you. You know my heart. You knew my heart before. You know my heart now. And he saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? He was grieved after the third time he denied the Lord. Now he's grieved the third time after he's told the Lord, yes, Lord, indeed, I love you. What more could I do, Lord, to show you that I love you? It's not John that's out running, but it's me now. I cast myself into the sea. I wanted to be where you were at. I'm sorry for the things that I've done. I've seen the cross of Calvary as it was. I've seen the empty tomb. I've seen the blood on the linen clothes. I know you've rose for me. Lord, I love you. And then notice this. Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus said unto him, feed my sheep. Then the Bible says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, when thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. This spake he, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, 
follow me. It had not changed. The call to follow him had not changed. The first time Peter met Jesus at the boat, he said to follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. And Peter left following the Lord Jesus Christ. But he did not know the Lord entirely the way that you and I have the ability to know him at that time because the cross of Calvary had not come into Peter's presence. But now... Peter, who denied him three times, who tried to separate him from the from himself from the Lord because of the danger of knowing what it was to be a part of Jesus' life at that time. Now we find that he's seen Calvary. Oh, the Calvary has had an effect on Peter's life. I'm asking you this morning, has Calvary made an effect on you? Has what Christ done at Calvary, the empty tomb, has it changed your perspective on Jesus Christ? Looking at the empty tomb, looking at the cross of Calvary, considering the shed blood, will change your life and put you on a different path, headed in a different direction this morning. Notice with me, if you will, that Peter now is being told not only that he would die, oh, for we all know that we will. It's important that the man wants to die and after this the judgment. But now we know that Peter's not only told that he will die, Brother Gene, but he's told how he will die. Say, so how will he die? Peter was going to be crucified like Jesus was crucified. So how do you know? The Bible says, Verily, I say unto thee, when thou wast young, thou girdest thyself and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt not, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee. Do you know what Christ done at Calvary, Brother Shane? He stretched out his hands. Peter was going to die a cruel death because of his relationship to the Lord. And Peter said, Lord, you know that I love you. And the Lord told him what death he would die. But then he said, follow me. Can I say to you, the circumstances surrounding Peter's life and his service to the Lord did not dictate how he would serve the Lord. Uh, knowing that he would die a cruel death did not stop Peter from serving the Lord. And all of Peter's faults and failures and all of Peter's wrongdoings, uh, the cross of Calvary made a difference in Peter's life and circumstances no longer, consequences no longer had a bearing effect on whether or not Peter was going to serve the Lord. Listen to me. We can't serve the Lord now in 2021 uh, without letting any old ache and pain keep us out of the house of God or I'm too tired to come to the house of God. Whatever it may be, friend. But when we consider him, when we think about what he done, if we let the cross of Calvary make a difference in our life, it would cause us to move forward for the cause of Christ and to love him because to love him, friend, is we love Love him because he first loved us. And Peter was willing to show that he loved the Lord by dying on a cross and having his arms spread east to west just like Christ would. I'm saying to you today, are you letting circumstances, are you letting consequences control how you serve the Lord this morning? What is it in life today? What is it in your life uh, primarily this morning that is dictating how or what way you serve the Lord? Friend, I'm going to tell you something. We ought to love the Lord. It's the Bible, Peter, I mean, excuse me, Paul told Timothy to be instant in season and out of season. There's, a, there's, this, there's this matter of preaching and teaching and it being in season. And what we call out of season, we know not of. 
We've not reached a place in this country where serving the Lord is out of season uh, like it's going to be if the Lord tarries his coming. But are we going to let circumstances dictate how we serve the Lord? Peter said, Lord, you know that I love you. And you know why? That he loved the Lord and was willing to let, not let his circumstances dictate how he served the Lord? Because he had been to Calvary. He had seen Calvary. Calvary still makes the difference. My question to you this morning as the pianist comes and as we all stand to our feet, every head bowed, every eye closed this morning, no one looking around, have you been to Calvary? Have you seen Christ crucified? Have you considered what he done for you? Have you considered that it was your sin that held him on the cross of Calvary? It was my sin that held him on the cross of Calvary. He was the sinless, spotless lamb of God. The perfect one. The Bible says in Isaiah 53, as she finds something softly to play, verse 3, he is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But right here is what changed Peter. The Bible says in verse 5, But he was wounded for our transgressions. That ought to break your heart this morning. It was your sin that held him on Calvary. It was your sin that caused him to have the nails pierced in his hands and feet. The Bible says he was bruised for our iniquities. Every time they struck him, every time they hit him was because of your sin, because of mine. It says the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. What's that mean, healed from our sicknesses and diseases? Oh, no. No, 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 no. We're healed from the sin that was going to take us to hell. Oh, I'm still a sinner, but I'm saved by grace. I'm still a sinner, but I've changed because of what he done for me. And I no longer have to go to hell because I was born a sinner, but I'll go to heaven because I have been saved with the grace of God and been washed in the blood of the Lamb that was died for me. The Bible says all we like sheep have gone astray. That means every man, woman, boy, and girl, we have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Oh, listen, he was oppressed and he was afflicted. And he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before her shears is dumb. So he openeth not his mouth. Listen to me. The Bible says in verse 10, It pleased the Lord to bruise him. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, and she shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied by his knowledge. Shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. It wasn't Christ's sin that hung him on the cross. It was my sin and your sin. Calvary made a difference, friend, in Peter. Calvary changed Peter's entire life. 
Friend, I want you to know something. If you'll come to Calvary this morning, if you'll see Calvary and Jesus Christ for what He done there, it'll make a difference in your life. Or if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Your life can become new in Christ this morning. If you need to come, you come while she plays.